collaboration increases the creative potential of the final outcome. And, according to a recent survey conducted by Zipia, it seems that employees and employers have that same concurring opinion. 75% of employees and employers rate teamwork and collaboration as very important. 56% of employers utilize social media to interact with their employees. Meanwhile, 86% of employees who hold a leadership position blame a lack of collaboration for workplace failures. Tanya Fox began her first business 24 years ago and quickly realized that entrepreneurship was not only in her soul, but also in her bloodstream and something that she would dedicate the rest of her professional life to. She's owned just about any kind of business you could think of over the years, and now she spends her days as a collaborative business consultant, helping businesses and business owners repassion and starting to grow again through collaboration and by setting up tailored back-end processes so that they can enjoy more productivity while committing less hours. Fox joined me this week to talk about entrepreneurship, optimizing your productivity and potential in business, and her weekly Fox Talks business podcast. She lives by her tagline, remember to have fun, because if you're not having fun, why are you doing it at all? Interested to learn more? Well, without further delay, I'm Kevin McShann. Let's have this conversation. Take a moment to welcome you to the program, and I'm super excited to learn all about your experience in entrepreneurship. Lovely to be with you today, and I can't wait to engage in, in conversation with you today. Yes, I'm very, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> I'm excited today, too. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. It just makes for a more authentic uh, conversation. With... Exactly. Yeah, this is this is how entrepreneurship at home works. <laughs> That's exactly right. What's your, what's your dog's name? I'm, I'm... Uh, yes, my sweet little dog who likes to interrupt is Lily. <laughs> she's, my, she's my cohort, so she spends most of the days with me, so. 
Fabulous. Well, my first question for you is about how you got started in entrepreneurship. I know that you got started back in 1998, and you sort of uh, think entrepreneurship has been your passion ever since. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Yes. Well, really how it started was um, I was working um, in the government in a position and I remember just sort of sitting at my desk one day and we had sort of consistent breaks. Everybody took a break at exactly the same time. We took a break at the same time. We took lunch at the same time. And what ended up happening was I was watching everybody sort of stand up from their desk uniformly walk, you know, out to the break. And I thought, I don't want to do this for another 40 years. I don't think I can do this for another 40 years. And I, it was a Friday, I walked in and I said to my boss, I, I think I'm done. And he said he wasn't surprised. And I decided that I was going to start my own business. And I had originally gone to school for accounting. And so I was super excited on the Friday. I went out and I celebrated my my freedom and, uh, you know, how I was going to start this new job. And it was exciting. And it was like, you know, just I was just euphoric on this decision. And Saturday morning, I woke up and thought, what have I done? I left, a, you know, a, a good job. I left good pay. I left security to think I was going to make this on my own? Like, what was I thinking? And but I realized I had two days to figure out how to start my own business. And I do not come from an entrepreneurial family. So it was really throwing myself into the fire. But I'm happy to say, like you had said, that was 1998. And still to this day, I'm an entrepreneur. So it worked. It was a lot of trial by error. It was a lot of mistakes, a lot of learning the hard way, but I wouldn't change it for anything. Uh, uh, you know, being your own boss, boss comes with advantages, doesn't it? It does. You know, and, and I have to say, like when I first started my business, I had that sort of pie-eyed thing of how great this was going to be. You know, I wasn't going to have to answer to anybody. I could make my own hours. I could sort of, you know, do what I wanted when I wanted. Um, and that didn't quite work out exactly that way when I first started. It took me probably 10 years before I really learned how to have that lifestyle and create the business so that I could take a day off when I wanted to, that I could walk away when I wanted to, because I was trying to do everything and be everything in my business from, you know, the frontline person to the secretary, to the CEO, to, you know, the face of the business. And it took a long time for me to really kind of ask for help pay for help. That was a hard one to be able to pay <laughs> to get people to help me. But, um, you know, it was something that, you know, I'm glad that I did it the way I did because I learned a lot. So as the years went by and I decided to open other businesses, it helped me because I was like, okay, here's what we're not going to do again. <laughs> we're not going to do everything by ourselves. 
you were a trial and error and then we get smarter, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, learn, you know, hopefully I learned from all of my mistakes. There was, there was some that I made over and over again because I, you know, I needed some more time to learn them. <laughs> you know, Tanya, I always say everything in life happens for a reason, doesn't it? So true. So true. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that. Absolutely. And you piqued my interest in your last answer. So I, I'm curious to ask you about the importance of learning how to delegate in business and how important that is so that you, do, that you don't sort of run yourself thin. Well, for me, I think the hardest thing was actually paying for it. Um, when you're starting out in business, when you're new, you know, you're under sort of five years, money is a tight thing, you know, you're sort of, you're still kind of living almost, you know, pay to pay, or client to client. And so it can be really hard, because we think it would just be easier. And I did this, it would just be easier if I did it for, by myself, why would I spend, you know, $700 a month for an assistant, I can just do it. And so for me, the lesson was really learning and really sitting down and finding out how much my time was worth and then how much I was actually giving away. So in the example I gave before I had ever hired an assistant, I realized that the time that I was taking to respond to general inquiries, to do a little bit of my data entry, to do my own filing, that each that I was losing bringing in new clients and each new client at that time um, in the early 2000s was um, oddly enough was a $2,000 initial payment. So I realized that I wasn't just losing $700 a month. I was actually losing anywhere from two to $8,000 because all that time I was taking, I wasn't bringing in new clients. So when I started to see it that way of the amount of money that I was losing, all of a sudden that $700 to get that help wasn't so much because I was realizing that where I needed to be, where my gene, you know, where my genius was, was bringing clients in, was getting, was getting those new people in. So I had to really realize that there was somebody else that was better equipped to do those tasks that um, that I didn't really need to be doing. I didn't need to. Somebody else loved it. I needed to let them do it. Um, but it was a hard. It was a hard thing to keep writing that check for the first few months because you're not seeing that you know that money come back in. Now I don't think I could ever go back to not having an assistant and my other staff that that works with me because the other thing that it did that sometimes people don't think of money aside is I had that other person then that I could bounce ideas off of uh, somebody else that was giving a different perspective in the things that we were doing in our business and that was really something that you know, in hindsight, I go was really invaluable. I could not, you know, put a number on that because it allowed me to express myself more. It allowed me to get somebody else's point of view. And when you're an entrepreneur, especially when you're starting out and you're by yourself, I mean, we all think our ideas are great, but sometimes it's nice to have that other person to go, well, 
you know, have you thought of this? Or why don't we change this? Or maybe this process could be made easier if we just did this. So it saved me time. Um, and, uh, and, and just allowed me to not feel so lonely because being an entrepreneur can, can feel kind of lonely when you're doing it all by yourself. And diversity of perspective is a good thing, isn't it? Well, it is because, you know, we think this is the best way to do stuff. And and I'm, I am guilty of that, you know, oh no, this is the way to do it. This is my idea. And quite often someone else will come in who loves to do this work and goes, actually, if we just changed this one little thing it would make this process a whole lot easier. So, it, you know, it saves time because again, that's their expertise. And so we need to to learn to to use it and to listen to it and, and you know, give our ego a little of a check that sometimes we don't always have the best way. <laughs> you know, sometimes the hardest three uh, words to admit or to say is, I don't know, right? Yeah, exactly. But the <laughs> are the ones that I think as entrepreneurs, we need to use the most because that's where we learn, right? Is, is by saying, you know what? I don't know. But the key thing is to say, I don't know, but I'm going to find out. And that's, that's where people lose it because they say, well, I don't want to say, I don't know, because I don't want to sound like, you know, I'm not professional or I'm not educated. But again, as long as you're willing to find out, it is totally okay to say, you know what? I don't know. But let's find out together. Yeah, I know that you still run three of your businesses and you're a collaborative business consultant. What a fancy title that is. <laughs> Congratulations on that. And I know that you help people sort of refine their passion and build systems that allow them to get their free time back. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about uh, what you mean by collaborating with businesses and how do you define sort of business diversification? So this is one thing that I'm super passionate about. And it, and it started very genuinely. When I first started doing collaborations, I didn't really know what I was doing. I, I just didn't have a lot of money. And I needed to find a way to, you know, get advertising. So this is how it first started. Um, this is when newspapers were super popular. People were still using a phone book. And advertising was really expensive. And I wanted to find a way that I could advertise. But of course, I didn't just have money to put down. And so the first... To me, there's four different types of collaborations that businesses can use. And the one, the first one that I did was a trade collaboration. So in a trade collaboration, it's essentially trading your skills with somebody else. So for me, it started with actually going to the newspaper and I found out that they were looking for somebody to do their data entry and their bookkeeping. And I thought, I can do this. Like, this is what I do. So as opposed to just getting a job, which isn't what I wanted, I traded my services for ads in the newspaper. And so it worked out really good. They weren't out any money. I wasn't really out my time, but I was getting the referral as a bookkeeping client for them. I was getting really great ads in the paper, but I was also in a situation where I was meeting a lot of other business people who were coming in to put ads or to pay their bills. So it worked really well for both of us. And these are the types of collaborations that I really love doing, especially with small businesses. And this is where I teach. 
I'm not teaching large corporations to collaborate um, because Yes, I do do those, but I think what is most beneficial for businesses is look for someone else that you can work with. And this could be something as simple as, let's say you have, um, let's say you're a travel agent and a lot of people go, well, what can a travel agent, you know, share with? You could do a collaboration where you're just doing referrals with say, a company that sells luggage that's down the street. Or if you like doing a, um, like uh, bike tours or you're doing like walking tours a lot, you could do, a, you know, the local yoga place. You could do somebody who sells workout clothing. So it's really just, is there another company? Is there another business in your area that you are not direct competitors with, but that you could work together to even just refer people to each other. Now, this could be just a simple referral. This could be a discount code that you give, you know, you shop with me and you're going to go to the other person. But there's tons of different ways that small businesses can use collaboration to grow their brand awareness, to get the word out there, to reach more clients and it doesn't cost you anything to do except for a little bit of your time and ingenuity. Yeah, absolutely. You know, Tanya, I used to be uh, an ambassador for a project called uh, the Discoverability Network here in Ontario, and it was the online job matching portal for folks with disabilities and employers to get connected. And when I worked on the project, there was a sign in my office that said, collaboration gets things done faster. So I totally understand, like building relationships and a collaboration has value, doesn't it? It does. And I think the main thing that it does is it also helps you to discover what is around you. Sometimes we get, you know, really pigeonholed in our businesses and there's lots. And especially now with with how far of a reach we have across the country and across the world, it's so easy to do collaborations that you never would have thought of. I have a collaboration going on right now with somebody in Australia that never would have happened when I first started my business. It it was just, you know, where I could walk to, where I could drive to. So there's this really unique opportunity to, you know, be able to help other businesses while at the same time getting help yourself. Yeah, and you had mentioned there are four uh, types of different collaboration. You talked about one of them. I'm wondering if we can uh, dive into the other three. Sure. Yeah. So um, as I mentioned, the trade collaboration, the, um, that's probably the easiest one, which I talked about. So just trading services with each other. The other one is uh, the one that doesn't get talked about a, a lot. And, you know, I will give a little bit of a, of a post to myself that um, I'm just in the midst of writing a book all about this and how to do it. But sometimes collaborations end up being what I call a one-sided collaboration. So people might go, well, that doesn't make any sense. Collaboration is one or more people, you know, working together. 
But sometimes uh, a one-sided collaboration could be you just building that relationship with another business. So this could be you referring people over to them. This could be you purchasing uh, some of their products to use in your in your store or how you sell things. And sometimes what happens is when you really want to work with somebody, they might see you as competition. So as an example, I can give from my own personal when I owned a craft store, there was a quilting store in my town and I really wanted to collaborate them because I thought this is great. They sell fabric. I do other crafting stuff beside that. Why wouldn't they want to work with me? Right. And when I walked into the business, they wanted to have nothing to do with me. They were like, nope, thank you. Bye bye. Like they really saw me as competition. And that's when I started doing a one sided collaboration where I was being very specific when I was sending people to them. So I was constantly going into their store to see what they had. If somebody was looking for something, I would tell my customers, please tell them that we sent them. I was sharing their stuff on social media. And it took about two years for this to really work. And then they started to see that I wasn't trying to compete with them. I was trying to collaborate with them. And it ended up being very beneficial. But again, it started out as a one-sided collaboration and then evolved into something else. So in this case, it ended up um, evolving into a trade collaboration. Um, so that's one that sometimes people are like, oh, you know, I really want to work with this person, but you know, they're not returning. Sometimes it starts out as a one-sided. The other type of collaboration, um, is, a, a so when you have, I call it a multi-collaboration. So this is when you have three or more people working together on a project. And usually there's money involved in this one. So this could be you doing advertising. This could be companies getting together to produce a large event. Um, so it could be maybe a concert that you're running that all of the businesses are going together. Or it could just be three of you getting, you know, three or more getting together to do a large advertising or radio campaign. So you're sharing money. This one is a little bit more complex to go like super deep into together because sometimes there's like lawyers involved, there's contracts because there's a lot of money sometimes that are changing hands. So it can be a, like a little bit more of a complex one and not one that you would start out when you start doing collaborations. This is when you kind of have your feet wet a little bit more and uh, are a little bit more excited to to get into it uh, yeah it, it's also about being a strategic isn't it it is yeah because there's a lot of sort of um there's a lot of background stuff and planning that needs to get done on that one and there's also somebody who needs to be the lead of it um because there's a lot of moving pieces to it so it can be uh you know a little bit more complex i've seen this happen um i just did one recently where we did uh and it was an employee agreement so there was a bunch of small businesses they were single owner operator but they needed somebody to sort of work so they could take holidays but they couldn't really afford a full-time employee themselves and so we created this multi-collaboration so one person was being employed by all of it. there was five companies all five 
of the companies were sharing this one employee. So this one employee, it was great for her because she got bored at a job, just a standard job. So she had five different places she was working and the costs were a lot less. But again, there was a lot of intricacies, contracts that needed to be written up, agreements, processes, all of that other stuff. It was about a six month project. But now we have one person who is employed full time. And we have five businesses that are finally able to take time off and not be worried about it. Fabulous. And uh, uh, just following up on that, how do you define sort of a strategic or competitive advantage in business? Um, I think I think really, for me, it's, I think that entrepreneurs need to stop and think about what is it that is their zone of genius. And a lot of times it's not what we think it is. We think it's, you know, we have an idea in our head of what it is. And usually I say the easiest way to find your zone of genius is what is it that people ask you about all the time? Is there a certain question that people come to you and constantly ask you? That's where other people feel your zone of genius in. Because typically they'll say, they'll say something to you, but we'll turn around and go, but that's so easy for me to do. Like, I wouldn't charge for something like that. For me, it was collaboration. I was doing collaborations so many times. Um, but for me, it was just, it was easy to come up with ideas. And I just thought, oh, no, that's not a zone of genius. That's super easy for me. But to other people, it's not. And it took me about five years to realize maybe this is a zone of genius, maybe kind of thinking outside of the box and coming up with all of these ideas for companies is something that I need to, you know, need to work on. So I would encourage people to kind of keep track of what is it that people are asking you all the time? Or what is it that you think, oh, that well, that's easy. I'll just I'll just tell you the answer to that, because it's super easy to me. That might be the thing that you need to share more with people. Yeah, and I know for you personally, you've got a tagline uh, when it comes to business about having fun. And I know uh, that you also host a weekly uh, podcast for Fox. So I'm wondering if you can tell me about it. Yeah, well, that tagline, um, you know, it, it is, it does hold deep meaning for me because for a lot of time in business, I was straight laced. Uh, in when you're in the accounting, you know, bookkeeping, you know, business, it's, you know, very serious. And I tried to be that. And I was really squelching who I was. And that's how the, you know, that tagline came out as I realized, why am I doing this? Why am I taking things on or being super serious about life? This isn't what I want to do. I want to laugh. I want to have fun. I want to enjoy going to work every day. Because let's be honest, we spend a lot of time at work. <laughs> And um, so that's sort of how that m became my motto. And then when I sold my craft store and decided to start a podcast, I decided that needs to be my tagline because I think so many times in business, we forget that it's supposed to be fun. We're supposed to be fun. And uh, that's what I wanted to do with the podcast, Fox Talks Business. I wanted to share all of the good things that people do. I wanted to share the struggles, but make sure that the struggles were followed up with, 
How did they get out of it? What lessons did they learn? Did they take from that? And and just share joy because I think we need more joy in the world. We need to we need to laugh because if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? Hence the tagline. Yeah, life is too short not to have fun, isn't it? It's so true. And Tanya, I'm going to share just a little bit about myself. So I was actually born with what's called a spastic quadrupedal cerebral palsy. It simply means that I don't have enough oxygen in my legs to walk normally. And one of the things that I do outside of hosting this podcast is work with organizations to sort of uh, increase uh, their awareness when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion for folks with disabilities in the, uh, the business culture. So I'm curious to ask you about your perspective on how we can create a more inclusive environment in business for folks with uh, disabilities. I think for me, I have a little bit of a unique different perspective on this only because I have a niece who is blind and deaf and epileptic. So I've seen it firsthand on both sides. And I think for businesses, it is really to understand that it isn't necessarily, you know, the the term disability, I think people oftentimes think cannot do something unable. And it's not that. I think we need to look at people simply as individuals. And with any employee, there's always a skill that can be brought to the table that you never thought of before, a unique perspective, a different way of looking at things. So I think being really open-minded um, with hiring different people with differing abilities can really help um, not only your visibility as a business, let's be honest, you can use that to your advantage if you wanted to, but also helps you to take a different perspective on life. And for me, some of the most unique thoughts that I've ever had have come from people that sometimes people would go, are you sure you want to do that? Like, you know, are you sure you want to have your niece work for you? You know, she's blind. You do bookkeeping. How is that going to work? And for me, it was a really unique experience because I learned a lot from having her work with me, a lot more than I did just from a fully sighted person. And it really gave me a lot of different perspectives. So I think employers need to be really open-minded and realize that sometimes hiring that person gives you a lot more than what you're giving them for you and your employees. And in some cases, you can make more money because you appeal to more people, right? Well, that's exactly it. And I think, you know, we all need to, we don't want, you shouldn't have everybody who's exactly the same, who has the same thoughts in your business, who looks the same, who acts the same, who thinks the same, because you're never going to get results out of that. You need to have that diversity. You need to have that different thought process. That's where the most brilliant ideas come from. Yeah. And Tanya, if you were asked to create a commercial about the effectiveness of collaboration, what do you think the tagline or theme of the commercial would be? Oh, that's a good question. Let's see. I think... I think for me, 
you know, again, I always try to have fun with this. So I think for me, it would be, you know, if you're not doing collaboration, you're not getting things done the fun way. Well, that, that's, that's, uh, that's a catchy title, isn't it? Or <laughs> absolutely, yeah, absolutely. So I also wanted to ask you about uh, equality for women in business. How do, how do you think we can break down those barriers to give more women a chance to succeed in business? Well, yeah. I mean, I struggled with this a lot uh, in my earlier career because um, it very much was considered sort of a man's game. <laughs> um, and it took me a long time. I think first and foremost, I think that it's a, the, the place for it is for women. I think women need to take charge of this and not be scared to give their perspective to give their two cents um, and to stand up to those people that might be saying, oh, just sit down or can you go get me a coffee or whoever is thinking in, you know, old antiquated ways, let's say. I think first and foremost, like I said, it's women who need to stand up and go, I can do this job um, and and be okay with going, I might be bumping into people that, you know, might not agree with this. But also part of that is sharing that struggle, is being honest and open about it and saying, you know, here's here's what happened to me. Here's where some of my situations are. And here's how we need to change it. I think too many times women get stuck in complain or blame game and aren't offering enough solutions. If you see that there's a problem that is happening, offer a solution to it. If you know how to fix it, offer that solution. So I think we really as women need to stand up and be part of, you know, identifying the problem as well as offering a solution, not just going, I don't like this, change it. And that way you could accidentally fall into a career as an entrepreneur, right? If you create a solution to a problem, right? Well, exactly that. And another thing is, wouldn't you want to be collaborating? You know, again, I love that word. Wouldn't you want to be collaborating in the solution to whatever problem it is that you're having? Be a part of creating that change. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, Tanya, I also know it's important for you to share your own individual story with entrepreneurs in order for them to uh, succeed. And I'm wondering why it's so important to you. I think that too often we sometimes will see somebody, especially these days with social media and how many people it is that you, you know, have access to, to be able to see, we see people sort of at the top of their game and we think, you know, it really must be nice. I would love to be able to have that. And I think as entrepreneurs, whatever level you are at, we need to remember that there's always somebody that's looking at you going, oh, I wish I had what they had. And so by sharing our story, by sharing our, our struggles and our successes, the lessons that we learned, the failures that we keep making, I think it helps to bring, you know, people to an understanding that no matter what level you're at, you're going to have struggles, you're going to have issues, you're going to have problems, you're going to have successes. And 
Um, we need to be more open because sometimes all somebody needs to hear is your story so that they feel, you know what, I'm not alone. It's not just me. And that you sharing that story can help that one person to go on another day. And how how beautiful is that, that just by you sharing a story, it helps somebody to, you know, fight another day. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, for me, Tanya, personally, it's important to celebrate the wins in life, no matter how big and how small. So tell me, uh, whether it be in your personal life or in business, how do you celebrate the wins in life? Well, I do two things. One, I celebrate, obviously, the big successes. So if that's, you know, finally signing, you know, a big collaboration on the dotted line, whether that's, you know, getting a new client, a course starting. But one of the things I've really learned is that I celebrate the weekly smaller successes bigger than I do the huge ones. Um, so at the end of the week, I sit down with, you know, all of my group and we talk about what were your small successes this week? This could be just cleaning off your desk. This could be you actually took an hour for lunch um, that you've been meaning to do. Whatever those small little things are that you think, well, that's silly. Like, why am I going to celebrate cleaning off my desk? But those small, tiny tasks, those small celebrations help you to find joy in everyday life, as opposed to just waiting for these huge successes, which I did. I would only wait for the huge successes. And then I would get down on myself because sometimes it could take a year or two for those huge successes to come. So I think remembering to celebrate the small things um, and whatever that's meaningful to you, it could be what is on your to-do list that has been sitting on there forever. And the celebration could just be you treat yourself to a, you know, a mini chocolate bar. It could be you high five somebody else who's in your office. It could be just putting a post out and going, I finally got this off my list. But really celebrating the small things help you to realize how much you actually do accomplish in a week. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, tell me, how do you think we can learn from adversity in business? I think, you know, as we go, go through, sometimes we can get stuck. You know, why is this always happening to me? Um, especially when things aren't aren't working out. And I think, you know, it sounds really bad, but sometimes you just got to stand up and shake yourself off and just try again. Um, and it can be hard to do. I get it. Hey, I tried to run, you know, a masterclass and I had one person sign up and that can hit your ego pretty hard. Um, but it was, you know, just getting up. It was having, you know, great people around me. I'm very fortunate that I have other entrepreneurs around me that, I, you know, I chat with and I talk to. And we all encourage each other. Um, and I think it's, you know, really just understanding that if you are not having mistakes, if you're not having failures, your business isn't growing. So understand, I mean, have your moment, have your moment where you sit and cry, you feel bad for yourself, you eat your pint of ice cream, whatever it is that you need to do, give yourself a time limit and then pick yourself up because this means it's growth. Whenever I'm failing or whenever I, you know, something isn't working, 
I know I'm in a growth period. So again, I try to celebrate that. I try to go, okay, what's the lesson that I need to learn? And sometimes that's, you know, me just walking away from it for an hour and coming back to it. So I think, you know, changing our mindset on failure, it's not the end of the world. This too will pass. This too will change. Um, but you need to pick yourself up and uh, and just find another way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, my final question for you has to do with legacy and building a legacy that you're proud of. So how do you want your personal and professional legacy to be defined? For me, I think it really comes down to two things. One, I want to be remembered as somebody who had fun. And somebody who shared laughter, um, that's my biggest thing um, in my personal life. Um, I try not to get too serious um, because I think for me, the biggest memories of family members is always like the funny times, the funny moments that we got to share together. And, you know, in my business life, it's that as well. Obviously, that's why it is my tagline. But I think for me, you know, the biggest legacy that I I want to leave behind is that it is okay to say you're not okay. It is okay to say, hey, I need help. And what I want to do just my own life is being is being able to be open and honest with when I'm saying, I, I need help. This isn't working. Can somebody help me? Um, and that's a very hard thing for me. It's hard for me to ask for help. Um, but I'm getting better at it. So the legacy that I would like to leave is that it is okay to ask for help. And you'd be surprised when you say you need help, how many people are willing to say, 100%, I'm there for you. What do you need? What can I do? Yeah, and it also streamlines your operation sometimes, doesn't it? Well, it does. And you know, when I had a retail store, I used to think it was funny because oftentimes I would say, you know, how, like, how's it going today to my business neighbor? And they would say, oh, you know, it's good. And I'd be like, oh, really? Like, it's really slow for me. Um, so if you could send anybody over, that would be great. And it was amazing how many times then those business owners would go, oh my God, it's been so slow for me too. So sometimes by us sharing our own need for help, it allows other people to open up and and feel comfortable with saying, oh my gosh, you know what? I need help too. Let's help each other. Yeah, absolutely. And Tanya, finally, tell me if people want to get connected with you or the podcast in general, what's the best way uh, they can do that? Well, thank you so much for that. Yeah. So the easiest way, you can go to my website at foxtalksbusiness.ca. You can also find me on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, LinkedIn is under just Tanya Fox. And everywhere else is just under Fox Talks Business. So I love hearing from people. So, you know, catch me wherever your favorite avenue is. Well, fabulous. Well, I'm glad that we had a moment to engage in conversation about business diversification, entrepreneurship, and a little bit about how uh, you got start, started in the space, your work in the space. And Tom, on my behalf, it's most appreciated, and I want to uh, thank you for being here this afternoon. Well, thank you, Kevin. It was such a privilege.